Hi, welcome to Join the Sports Draw podcast. You're the first guest. Do you feel lucky? Yes, I feel very lucky. <laughs> I can see the lie <laughs> on your face. You're will to film. No, I'm excited. I just wish it was at a better time. Maybe last season would have been better. Last season when Liverpool were actually on the road to winning. Yes. Well, I, I actually was it. Oh yeah, because of COVID, it wouldn't have been. But at this point, we were pretty much set to be champions. And I can just tell the difference in your mood whenever you talk about Liverpool. Whenever I talk about it now, you're literally just like, please, can you stop? Because yeah. you feel embarrassed. You look embarrassed when you talk about Liverpool. It, it's, it's not embarrassment. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, it's sad to see like such a difference between, you know, one season. And we can't even blame the fact there's no fans because we've done so well towards the end of the season, like last season without the fans. Literally, even before we started filming this podcast, Ricky messaged me. He was like, I'm going to wear my Liverpool shirt to film the podcast. And I'm going to wear my Liverpool shirt when Liverpool play. And it's just a bad omen. So just don't wear the Liverpool shirt again. Yeah, last last time I didn't, uh, didn't wear a Liverpool shirt, we won. And we haven't won many games recently. So let's get on to you. Let's okay. leave Liverpool to the side for the minute because that's where they belong with their losing streak. Let's talk Ouch. about your experience with football and how did you get into it? Well, funnily enough, coming back to Liverpool. Oh God, it's going to just <laughs> no, do a um, No, okay, no, it's not. It's not Liverpool. It was Steven Gerrard. So, um, growing up and stuff, I didn't really have any interests when I was young. So, about um, seven and eight, I'm speaking about, and I had this guy who um, I went to primary school with, and he was very into football, and I was just like, you know, not interested at the time, and then. I was like, oh, is there anyone who I would like? And he was like, oh, Stevie G. And I was like, Stevie G, who's that? And I started like um, looking out for Steven Gerrard and stuff because obviously we didn't have a, you know, the technology we do today. And um, yeah, I saw, saw like a, a football game where um, he just, he played sensational and it was kind of documenting, I think it was Milan and it was when we came back and he had a massive role in that. And I was just there like, I like this guy. And then he had an interview after and it was the most humble thing I've ever heard. Um, and then I just got more interested of Steven Gerrard, started getting little pictures and posters up of him. And then I was like, I want to play football now. And I started playing at primary school um, as a left back, which is weird because I'm a striker now. Um, and Like when you say you had pictures, uh posters of Steven Gerrard, that is literally me, but I was like, I think I had like JLS and Oli Mers. And I'm not yeah. even a JLS or Oli Mers fan. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, but but yeah, I'd have Gerard up and like it would be like different kinds. So when he was celebrating, when he was shooting, and then I had a picture of like the Rafa uh, Rafael Benitez team with Torres, Gerard, Jamie Carragher, Alonso, and like I wasn't a big support like follower of the football then. I just loved Gerard, so I. And I guess back then, through. what was it like when we when you were about like ten? Football yeah, wasn't yeah. really widely as available as it is now. Obviously, you've got like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, all that. Didn't have all that back then. You just had BBC Sport and Match yeah. of the Day. Yeah, so it would be like if, um, yeah, it would be the Match of the Day, which when you're 10 years old, it's on too late anyway. Mm. Um, you didn't have YouTube as mainstream as it is now, so you couldn't just watch highlights of the games. So it would be like when we played in an FA Cup fixture, we would have been able to watch patches of that. Like I remember watching a game where we played uh, Middlesbrough um, and the, um, I think Alonso scored a screamer and then we ended up losing it. And I was just there like, wait, 
is this the team I like? Um, and, but because like, I only like Gerard and I don't think he was playing for the game because it was only an FA Cup game. Mm. And um, yeah, we ended up losing it. And I was like, where's Gerard? What? Like, I, I didn't support the team, uh, but it, Gerard got me into the football and then I started to play it. And speaking and, of playing, you you had quite a bad injury, didn't you? What what was it again? Was it your ACL? Plant, your, yeah, uh, no, my uh, so I had plantar fasciitis, which is and where the in nerve, English terms, what is that? <laughs> the nerve in the bottom of my foot had um, so much tension, like built up into it, that I couldn't stand on it properly because it was um, it basically it was like you know your nerves, you know they contract and stuff, and mine couldn't. So yeah. the pain just consistently built up and I, it got to the point where even when I had my foot up resting, it, it was throbbing with pain and heat and it was so painful. And I had that for 18 months. So would and you say you're the epitome of babes? I could have been professional, but I broke my ankle. <laughs> no, I was, I, I never committed uh, hard enough when I was younger. Like I didn't have the training and routine. I've probably come back from my injury and got better than I ever was now through like doing other sports as well like working on my fitness and strength like boxing for example yeah. really helps with my coordination and my balance when I'm on the ball yeah. which uh, yeah I, I didn't think I was going to come back and play football as well as I do now which, but you were also able to do that 100k in one day that we did back in yeah June June July time how do you yeah. think that made you feel like was it more emotional or mental and physical it was both. So when I overcame the barrier of the 20K, the first 20K I ran really quick for yeah. what I was expecting. Um, and I was there like, holy crap, I didn't realise I could do this. Um, and it kind of gave me like the push to go on and do the 50K. Like there were like, like the 30K that I had left, I was there like, okay, I could feel this in my limbs. And then when I was finishing up the last five kilometres, I was there like, my foot is feeling this now, I can feel the pain. Um, my last 5k I was just like do you know what I'm gonna get a fat McDonald's by the end of this and this uh, is what is getting me through I got no, no joke I got in the bar after and I've never been in so much pain in my life because of blisters and I'm well, not gonna stay where but am I sorry for making you do it not no, really it was for a great cause and good, good it, cause. and it also proved to us that like we're capable of more than we realize yeah um and I yeah and yeah there was the emotional side and the physical side to it which mm. was very nice so back onto Liverpool. So they won the Premier League and they now find themselves down in eighth. What do you think has changed for them in comparison to last season? Have they changed for the better or for the worse? I think it's the lack of change. Like we're playing the same style of football that we have done for three, maybe four years. And um, teams are picking up on it now, especially mm -hmm. in the Premier League where you're facing each team two times at least. So they need to start to adapt to our style of play. And you can see it in the lower teams, especially like, like like this weekend, like Fulham literally all they had to do is score one goal and then sit back, take our pressure, wait for the crosses to come in and get them away. And they did that well. Brighton done it well. You know, other lower teams have done it well. And I think it's just we have the same free attacking, like, you know, the same free attacking all the time that it's become predictable. And the only creativity that I saw differently at the weekend was coming from Diogo Jota, and even from Milner, he got a couple of chances in that. Um, and it's because we've become too readable now, I think. And out of the last 14 games, they've only been able to win five. Like you say, losing to, to Fulham and even losing 1-0 to Burnley. Do you think it's taken them a bit more time to become more cohesive as a team? And do you think COVID's had a bit of a negative impact on that? Obviously, having large times away from the team. 
I, I genuinely think there is that. And I think there's the fact that we lost our captain as well. Like, uh, like you know, we have Henderson. He's been in and out all season. And he, like, when I watch videos of the team talks and stuff and, like, them meeting up and stuff behind the scenes, not just for training, he's such a personality in that. Yeah. And same with Van Dyke, because, like, you always have a captain and then Van Dyke, he, he you know, he's, he's the main character in our back four. So he's got a voice that everyone needs to listen to. And having them both absent from the team for a lot of the season, Van Dyke more so um, Henderson on and off, it just means that they're they're not gelling as much. And the you know the complete like I read somewhere yesterday we've had nineteen centre back uh, partnerships this season, which is inc incredible how many we've went through, and not one of them have played more than two and a half games between each other. And it just shows like it's so hard for a team that's suffering with injuries and lack of leadership because of injuries um, to gel and it shows on the pitch there's a lot of um, uncertainty between the players and the capability of the players. And you say that having personalities on the team does make a big difference and part of players being on the team is obviously home crowds and fans and do you think not having crowds at Anfield hinders that motivation to play? Yeah, definitely and what um, what I can argue for sure is when we introduced the 2000 fans into the stadium we were for not like the best I've seen us play in a long time we were we clapped Wolves 4-0 and it was you know devastating how we played um, and then other big games as well we came through like Chelsea I, I can't remember where we we have fans then but like we we you know we just played really well yeah. and um, yeah, like I, I, I think that Anfield is a fortress because of the fan base and because of the cop. The cop end is massive and it isn't a cop end without the fans. So I feel like, yeah, definitely COVID and the lack of fans is the reason why this season's been so, you know, unpredictable. And kind of steering away from that, Champions League, do you think that's Liverpool's only chance of victory this season? Um, I... I don't like to say it, but I think at the moment, if we carry on with the bad luck in the Premier League, the Champions League is our only um, potential um, of getting into the Champions League again next season. Um, obviously, we're 2-0 up against Leipzig um, at the moment, going into the second leg on Wednesday. Um, but like, I think it's just, you know, with the European teams, they don't have the understanding as such of the... Premier League teams against Liverpool because they don't have to play them yeah. and they only get you know like Leipzig found out they were playing us back in January I believe and so they've only had a couple of months to prepare whereas the second we started looking like champions last season teams would have been like all right we need to focus on this and this about Liverpool same with like what happened with City like City last season was like they'd done nothing compared to what they were doing beforehand because everyone was like they're the main danger and I feel like that's the same thing that's happened to Liverpool. But in the Champions League, we can definitely step away from that and we can um, hopefully do some damage like we did do two years ago. And you said previously Steven Gerrard was a big influence for you for starting football. And there's rumours circulating that potentially Gerrard could replace Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool as a boss over increasing doubts of Klopp's future at Anfield. Do you think it'll be a good move to get Gerard on board, especially after the 3-0 win of Rangers the other day? Well, well, that 3-0 win of Rangers confirmed him the title. They won the league 
Um, so they became champions because of that. And it just shows that he is progressing and learning as a manager. But I think that, like we saw with Frank Lampard, we don't want him to rush into the role of uh, Liverpool, um, Liverpool's manager. And Klopp's done so much for us over the past five years that there's no way they can just boot him out now. Like, this is the first hurdle he's actually had to face and overcome since, you know, going from a team that wasn't finishing above eighth um, consecutively to a team that, you know, pushed the, you know, the Euro- Europa, then they pushed to the Champions League final, then they won the Champions League final, and then after 30 years, they won the Premier League. And people got to remember it was 30 years. And the only reason why people are doubting Klopp at the moment is because he made them a team to be doubted. And I think that we definitely need to wait and see what Klopp does with this difficult time, like with injuries coming in, with this bad luck. Um, he needs to be proven and sh- he needs to show to the fans like what he's capable of, as he has done so many times before we even consider a replacement for him. And as much as I love Gerard and I idolise him, I think he wouldn't be ready for a team like Liverpool yet. Do you reckon a collaboration between Klopp and Gerard would ever be on the cards? I would love to see that. Honestly, like um, an assistant managerial role for Gerard at Liverpool under Klopp, he would be able to take so much away. Klopp would be able to learn some things for sure because of Gerard's, you know, significance at Anfield before it was Klopp's Anfield. And I think that if they could both work together for a couple of years before Gerard um, eventually took over, that would be, uh, you know, an unreal thing to see as a fan but also as footballers and people who are, you know, neutral uh, supporters. Because I loved seeing Frank Lampard go to Chelsea and I just wish that he um, Had the got the experience before. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, even that, like, you see Chelsea right now, they're starting fourth. They weren't doing terribly, like, before, like, Frank Lampard got the boot. But, like, like I, I think he would hopefully be accepted back at the club after a couple more years of experience. I reckon he would, because the players, especially Mason Mount, they seem to look up to him and idolise him so much. It's, I think it's quite a good, not an idea, but like quite good to get ex-footballers of, not specifically the team, but ex-footballers to manage the teams as they, they'll use their experience to let the players know what they want from the team. Looking at Fulham yesterday, Scott Parker. He, you know, he, he's someone who played in the Premier League. He knows the game. And you could see that he knew the game, like through how he was instructing his uh, players and stuff. And he wasn't a, like a massive name at the time, like like Frank Lampard, you know, Gary Neville, Scholes, Gerrard. Like they were the big names at the time, especially in the midfield. And, you know, you don't think like, oh, he was a big name. You don't go with Scott Parker, you go those four mainly and maybe you know the outsiders like when Ronaldo was in the league and um, you you cut some people are built a lot better to be managers than others I think and it it all comes down to earning that respect and understanding and wanting to win because like the reason why Gerard for the first time has brought Rangers you know to win the league after Celtic have dominated the Scottish Prem it just shows that he had the drive and he has the you know commitment from his players to do something spectacular. And he did that. And do you think there is that perfect manager out there? Do you think that Gerard is kind of shaping into one? I don't think you can be a perfect manager because um, that would insinuate you have perfect players. Um, every team that you manage, you're going to have some players that don't necessarily cooperate with you. 
Um, some players that are desperate to get more time than they do on the pitch and you obviously have to overcome things that you cannot help like injuries, you know, COVID-19, this kind of thing, I think should have been where managers like Frank Lampard were given the benefit of the doubt because it's such an anomaly, like you don't experience this kind of thing every, you know, couple of years. This has happened for the first time in like a century. No one could have predicted what could have happened. I definitely think that there should have been that exception where Lampard should have been given able, given even able like six more months to be able to prove himself at Chelsea. Turn it around. Sort of. I, I I think he should have been given the season at least just to like you know f- fight because um, Chelsea you know they're still in the Champions League. Yeah. Like they're not doing terribly in the Premier League. A Premier League in which you know, taking Man City aside, it's all over the place. Like, we got West Ham up, you know, in fourth or fifth place. I, like, I'm not 100% sure. I believe it's fifth now. Yeah. Um, Leicester fighting again, third place, like Manchester City, Man United. Like, Man United, after having such a shit run, like, they're finally up there again, like, one of the contenders for the title. You look at Arsenal, sat in 10th place consistently this season, and Arteta has been, you know, solidly in this role. He hasn't got any European football compared to Chelsea. Like he's in the Europa, yes, but you don't look at that and go, he's doing well. You you look at what Frank Lampard was going as a Chelsea fan, and you go, despite everything that's going on, he was doing okay. And you know, that's how I would have looked at it, and how I look at it at the moment with Klopp. Like I'm like, we're doing okay. We've got injuries. We've suffered this season, yes, but. Klopp got us here to a team that believes again. And from signing other managers to signing other players, there's rumours that Kane might apparently join City. Do you think that's realistic? Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie, no. Um, I feel like there's a lot of speculation this season about transfers within the Premier League and you know big names coming from other places. Like I'm not sure if you want to discuss that later. But, uh, yeah, I'll stick to Kane for now. I think Kane is too loyal to go between clubs within the Premier League. So if he is to be transferred, it will be to another. Do you not think he's kind of outgrown Tottenham? Um, I see. I, I I don't believe so because he's so injury prone that, like, um, he he kind of you know he's their he's their star, yeah. and when when he's injured, like they can be like, oh, we don't have Kane. He goes to City. He's just another player. He comes to Liverpool. He's just another player. Like he, like whereas at Spa, he at Spa at Spurs, <laughs> he he is idolised because he is such a good player there, and he honestly just you know, he he does everything they need him to. But you not think like if he went to City, it will make them the near enough perfect team in a roundabout way that other teams will just think, do you know what? We're just not going to enter this year. We're not going to go into the FA Cup, Champions League, Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, Spurs haven't had you know their tro- their trophy cabinet is dusty as hell. They haven't had anything, and Harry Kane is you know he's exceptional. Uh, he does what he needs to do. He's a great clinical. Um, but I don't know if he will just turn away from Spurs now at a time when they need him most uh, because of how much he's committed and you know spoken highly of the club and from older players such as Kane to younger players there is a lot of young talent coming through the ranks 
you've got Madison and Barnes at Leicester, Foden at City, and Mason Mount at Chelsea. Do you think these young talents are a completely different generation of footballers challenging the older generation, such as Kane? Uh, yes, for sure. Um, well, like you've got to like look at it like this: like it wasn't always going to remain the same, you know, bulk of a generation. Yeah, because just think um, back, back when we were younger, it was what Rooney and Beckham, and now look, yeah, they're not really even on the scene at all. Yeah, yeah, literally, they've all retired, and you know, they're doing their own thing, yeah. like. It's like even with um, some names like Drogba, you know, Torres. Torres is a bo- bodybuilder now. Like he retired and he went straight into <laughs> bodybuilding. Uh, but yeah, with like Mason Mount, absolutely phenomenal. Watching him score that goal against us the other day, I was not even angry. I was there like fair play. He's he's going to be a heck of a player for uh, for England. Um, and then, yeah, Phil Foden as well. Like as much as I despise Man City, he is a quality player. And um, there's no doubt in that. I think players like him Harlan you know Mbappe they're the new generation and they are gonna push the older players either out um into retirement or they're gonna push them to be better than they already were but so do you like, not think a Foden and Kane partnership at City would be unstoppable regardless of Kane's injuries do you think it would be an um I, I don't think the connection would be there as much because we would have seen that by now through England um, mm-hmm. when they've played together um you know, and you've also got to consider the fact that Harry Kane is a very, um, you know, target man striker. So where Son has the blistering pace and um, he's also got the height to assist if needed and the finishing. Phil Foden is a lot, you know, he, he's he's more so he needs to cut inside the box and get, you know, get either the clinical fouls in um, on him or he needs to get a shot off and bend it in. Whereas with Kane, he, you know, he's there early and he needs the early ball. And I don't see Foden play that too much. He's and next very... year, we've got the World Cup in Qatar 2022. Do you think that we'll see Mason Mount in the England squad and potentially being as successful as Kane was back in Russia? I, I think we will see Mason Mount for sure. He will be either a rotational or a starter, depending on how this season progresses. Um, I'm not sure about his um, success because a lot of people break under World Cup pressure and... Um, especially as a squad England are like you know keen on doing that Um, but it would be great to see him show himself like you know like uh, James Rodriguez did like no one knew who he was until you know he he turned up for Colombia Harry Kane yeah he he got a lot of goals through penalties and stuff but he was again able to deliver when needed Um, I would love to see you know our younger defenders and keepers maybe as well like I'm hoping Pope or Henderson come in and they start for us in goal because um, I'm not sure Um, he definitely hasn't grown or improved much since the World Cup um, in my opinion Um, obviously again probably a bit biased but uh, yeah I think he has his moments like every keeper um, where he's really like you know he comes out performs but like he's nothing special as such anymore to be regarded as a clear standout first keeper. And do you think he's coming home? <laughs> no, I, I've, ne- I've never been someone to say it. Like even when we got to the semis, I was like, I'm not saying anything and I'm happy I didn't. Um, it would be so good to see it come home in my lifetime, uh, especially like in this coming lifetime. year. Yeah, yeah. Like you're like 65. <laughs> I know, but you've got to realise it's been over, it's been nearly 60 years. Yeah. So, 
Um, like you, you really like if you're honest, like I until last season, season before, I didn't believe I was going to see in my lifetime Liverpool win a Premier League, and yet here we are um, after winning one. And it would be incredible to see us go in 2022 and finally bring it home. But I, I've never been someone who will be like, you know, it's coming home. I've never been like cocky, even when we've started doing better than I realised, because like it's just false hope in the end. Until we start winning like by two or three goals in the final, and we've got ten minutes left to hold on, I will be like, okay, it could be coming home, but it still wouldn't be like it's coming home. <laughs> but when we were working that summer of the World Cup, do you not think just the entire nation, which is so cohesive in their their attitude? I mean. We had Love Island. We had the heat wave. Yeah. We, we had the World Cup. Do you not think that was a good summer? I think it was a good, it was a great summer, especially with the year that's come. Like <laughs> everything was so good. And I just remember like being at work and like loving the customers being ready to talk about football and being like, I can't wait for the game um, when it comes up. Like, who do you think is going to win? And it was just a really good talking point. The summer, the, the weather made it feel so much better as well because it was just so nice. And then, yeah, the football was just such a, you know, f- focal point for everyone Literally, to speak about. You just sat there with your mac and cheese and baked beans just oh, watching the football on your break. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they even set up at work, didn't they, the back yeah. uh, part like of the cafe with the yeah. projector, the telly. And I remember being on a late shift when we sadly lost in the semis. And I just remember it completely destroying everyone's mood. Even people who weren't interested in football were like, no. Well, I was I was on the plane back from Cyprus when we got knocked out. And it was like, what we played quite late at night, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And, um, I, I was working at two till ten and yeah. I was I was um I, I think I finished watching the game around ten. And um, the pilot was getting live updates, obviously, from air traffic control. And it was as the night flies, we were all like, obviously trying to sleep. And he just went, it's 1-0. And he was like, oh, to England. Oh, yeah, I feel like the plane dropped scored. Yeah. about 100 foot with people cheering. I've never been so scared yeah. of flight in my life. You're there with your oxygen mask on, like, <laughs> oh, I'm so don't happy. Don't joke about that, because like, that's happened to me on a plane before. I've had to wear an oxygen mask. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, I've, been, pretty, I've been pretty lucky. Yeah, story time. I had to do story an emergency time. landing. Um, well, 2012, so nearly 10 years ago now. Coming, literally took off 20 minutes from Heathrow. After 20 minutes, oxygen masks came down and the lights went off. And we had to do like a full circle back to Heathrow. And you know, when you're watching like the safety demonstrations, you're just like, yeah, never going to happen yeah. to me. So you're just there, just like, whatever, doing whatever. And then when it happened, you think, oh God how do I put this oxygen mask on? Because there's so many like wires and cords and everything. You have to pull so many things. Yeah. It's mental. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly back to football. <laughs> At least you didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Have you got any final predictions for the rest of the season? Um, I see, honestly, I don't like predicting things. Even when we were like 28 points clear last season, um, I was there like, I'm not sure if we've won it yet. Um, because I genuinely just... I believe I'm the unluckiest person in the world. So I start believing something. It doesn't happen. happen. Uh, But realistically, the league is between Manchester City and Man United. It depends on whether United's defeat of City will start a run of losses for City. Um, Very unlikely, yes. But if it does, United have to capitalise on that. And honestly, as much as I dislike both the teams, it would be good to see United back at the top merely because like they've struggled for quite a long time and I know how that like as a Liverpool fan I know how that feels 
Um, I just don't want them to all be knobs about it, like if they do come through and win. Uh, because it really takes it away from like respecting the game and respecting football like the fans can ruin it as um for the other end of the table it's it's became a fight and like a massive fight now isn't it because yeah. Sheffield came from being on one point for the best part of two and a half months to all of a sudden be fighting for 17th 16th place um Fulham obviously beat us um who is it Burnley also in the relegation at the moment I think it's uh, Fulham, Burnley, and Sheffield. Sheffield, yeah. yeah. Sheffield United is still 20th, I believe. I'd, yeah. Like, I can just double check that. Just, but um, I think for um, the top four, it it's it, unpredictable at the moment because from you know 11th place down uh, up to the top four, um, there's mid, there's barely any points in between it. So like, it can literally go from looking like it does now, Liverpool in eighth, Liverpool could yeah. finish fourth yet. Um, it's, it's, the biggest shot for me is Everton's positioning at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I've just looked. So it's Fulham in 18th, West Brom in 19th, Sheffield in 20th. Burnley are up to 15th now. Um, but between Sheffield and Fulham, there's 12 points. So Sheffield, if they are to fight out of this, really have to perform for the rest of the season. They really need Same to with win. Uh, West Brom, but... Yeah. But yeah, um, at the moment it's, uh, you know, the 18th spot is, it's between Brighton, it's between Fulham, it's between Newcastle, even Burnley are close. But then you look from 14th to 14th up to 5th, there's literally 13 points. Like if City weren't running away with the season as it is, this would be the closest season we've seen in like over a decade. Like, one game, like one win can put Liverpool back into, you know, fighting, fighting for fourth. And that's all it takes, really. Like, obviously, we've been quite um, unlucky with the bigger teams. And the only one we have in the top four at the moment, to, like top four, top five to play at the moment is Man United again. But and I guess with a year like point, 2020, no one can ever predict even a football season like this season. So yeah. no one could predict I was going to make this yeah, podcast. Like, <laughs> Yeah, true, true. And yeah, when when it comes to predictions and stuff, like I used to love like not betting on, you know, the winners of the leagues, but I could bet on who was going to win a game. Like you knew, I would come in work some days and be like, oh, I've done this bet and stuff. I couldn't do that this season, even if I wanted to. Like despite the fact I'm in Canada and it's illegal in Newfoundland. Is it um, to, to bet in? Canada? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, no, not Canada, um, Newfoundland. So oh, the yeah. province it has um, laws against betting. Um, so I haven't. It saved me money because yeah. I was betting like a lot. So there's like um, no casinos or anything out there. I mean, like online betting. I don't uh, actually think I've seen a casino yet. No. Um, but um, that you've not seen one. <laughs> yeah, but no, I never, I never really bet in casinos. It was always like strategic bets on football. Yeah. But yeah, this season I feel like people have won stupid money because of surprise assault um, results. And um, I usually bet on like, you know, both teams to score, you know, um, certain amount of corners, certain amount of yellow cards, and then a team to win. And a lot of the games this season have either been like, you know, like a slap in 7-0, like rest in peace, Crystal Palace, when that happened. Or, <laughs> You're good while you lasted. <laughs> or like if anyone betted on the Liverpool-Aston Villa game, like, over, like if you bet over 8.5 goals, yeah, that's going to be like 200 to 1 kind of odds. You sometimes used to come up to you like, oh, I've just won a bet. I'm like, oh, you know, that's an easy 20 quid. You're like, yeah, I just won £2.50 because Liverpool yeah. scores. 
corner. I'm like, go crazy, yeah. like go, calm down, yeah. two pound fifty, jeez. Yeah, yeah, because I do. I used to do um, when I didn't like want to spend much money. I do progressive bets, so um, I'd uh, you know put five pound on win eight pound sixty because it's like you know I bet on the t- favorite to win and then I would take the five pound without and use the three pound fifty four and do progressive bets so it would be like you know the odds would be like one point one two and then I'll go up to like three pound um three pound seventy and it would be so slow and slim but like it was making money. Well and at least you have some come... sense about you. Not all of it but yeah but um yeah with uh football as a season I don't know. I feel bad for the teams that came up into the season this year because their fans don't get to experience the Premier League. No. Um, well, especially when, when City came down to Cheltenham, obviously Cheltenham is a very small club. We don't even have VAR. Um, yeah, I was going to say no VAR, you know, League Two, I believe. Yeah, even still? probably ha- would have had some City fans come down to Cheltenham. That would have brought so much revenue and money into yeah. the club and into Cheltenham as a town. And it's such yeah. a shame that we don't have fans because when are we going to really experience anything like that? Especially when they went 1-0 up as well. Imagine yeah. like the roar we probably could have heard from Gloucester. <laughs> Gosh, the local Witherspoons would have been thriving. Oh, Pitches it would, would yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's what that's what I mean as well. What what you, I assume you're getting at is like the pubs would have been packed. Yeah. The nightlife would have been, it would have been an ecstatic night out. You know, people from Manchester would have been out down in Cheltenham enjoying <laughs> the night. God have mercy um, on them. <laughs> yeah, I know, but like, it's it's not that bad because like I've had rivalries before, like when I went to uni in Cardiff, like the England Wales rugby games. Like you'd expect it to be horrible, like violent and stuff, but like of course you have the few idiots. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like everyone just like you're like fair play, you played a good game. Everyone's just drunk, you know. You're fighting with like Welsh fans, English fans. There'll be the odd weirdo who's wearing his Irish shirt. Like I don't oh, care God. about this game. <laughs> that was you. That was you wearing. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Big England sport. I'm happy that I'm not in the country right now. <laughs> because of the, yeah, the oh yeah ricky's over in canada by the way that's where he goes to uni <laughs> oh yeah yeah so yeah <laughs> i realized that wasn't even so as i can see like, like a, i went to canada the, to the big that. ice hockey poster behind me we're not really a, yeah an ice hockey country it, yeah oh it's quality though i really enjoy the hockey here as well I can imagine. but but yeah i i can't predict other than city are most likely to win the league unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately well there's always next year yeah, and I'm just happy that after 30 years of not winning the league, we've finally done it. And um, I, I wasn't expecting, you know, a, like two years on the truck kind of thing, especially after the Everton home game when we lost, you know, Van Dyke, and we lost Thiago uh, for a long period of time. Like, I, I just knew from that point we weren't going to be lucky. Obviously, Joe Gomez got Engli- uh, injured during the English training uh, for England. Um and we have honestly suffered a lot in the back four because of injury, which, you know, really sucked. Yeah. And you made the point as well of a COVID effect in the game. I didn't really bring it up too much, but like players losing family members and managers losing family members. Obviously, football is their job, but it doesn't come first. Their, man ta- their mental state does. Yes. So um, on occasion, like I'm only speaking from my football team because I know you know, in depth about it. Like Alisson, sadly, you know, losing his father and then Klopp losing his mum. Like, 
in succession like it happened within weeks of each other just shows how hard the pandemic can be on people and how hard they're trying to maintain their professionality there's also that other aspect the of them maybe not even being able to attend the services or even being able to see their family members yeah. in the last few days yeah Klopp couldn't go to Germany yeah. um, he wasn't allowed to fly and travel to Germany for his mum's funeral like imagine missing your own mum's funeral like yeah. I can't even begin to imagine and the respect that you saw across the community as well from you know from rivalries from city players like Sterling come out and said like Klopp like I hope you're okay like it's just a game but you know family is family and when you as much there is that rivalry between the clubs there is still that sense of togetherness isn't there yeah yeah well yeah like especially when you look at the disasters of clubs in the past like you don't see like Liverpool fans or City fans you know um using the Munich disaster of Manchester United against them and same with you know Liverpool like it's just sometimes football can be beautiful sometimes it can be the most horrible thing in the world and you see that still with racism you see you see that still with the rivalries and using you know the worst kind of things to get into the players heads yeah well I guess on that note we will end the podcast okay thank you so much for being my first gay guest (laughs) (laughs) taking the time out of your non-busy To help me out. busy Non-busy. Uh, I'm a master student. It is busy. Yeah, all right then. All right. Well, well <laughs> thank you so much for coming on John the Sports Straw. You'll yeah, probably be a regular pleasure. guest because I'll rope you in to talk about it. Uh, hopefully, well, at least you start with my most knowledgeable subject. Like, yeah, I'll get you on netball next week. <laughs> I used to play netball. Oh, God. Know. I'll get you on curling. I used to, no, no, I'm in Canada. <laughs> Literally, lived from every single Olympic sport. Like, yep, I did that. Yeah, yeah they're like, water polo. Like, I actually played that. <laughs> I actually used to do synchronized swimming when I was younger. <laughs> no, I can't swim. That's, that was a low blow. <laughs> Ricky actually wears armbands everywhere he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I'm not swimming. Even when he's in the shower, he wears armbands. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not scared of water. 